Welcome to Shopcast, a weekly podcast where we answer questions about some of the most important values of the growing prayer movement in Canada. My name is Emily, and joining me today, as always, is Brian Creary, Director of Sanctuary House of Prayer in Winnipeg, and also my dad. Hi, Em. Hi. So we've been doing a series on things we can uh, spend time on during the pandemic and isolation. And today we have a interesting I'm very one. excited. <laughs> what are we going to do? We are going to, my suggestion for today on something that you can do to help yourself in the midst of isolation in the pandemic is read the book of Revelation. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> and you almost need some theme music or something. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that sounds like kind of a crazy idea, I'm sure. When I travel around and speak in different locations, sometimes I often ask the question, how many of you have read the book of Revelation even in the last year? And most of the time, most people haven't. In my experience, I have found that um, there's lots of reasons for that. Now, you tell me how many of these have been you've thought about or, or, or at various points have been true. I don't want to read the book of Revelation. It's too scary. Has that ever been uh, part of your experience? Yeah. I remember when you were a kid, you yeah. wanted nothing to do with it. Nope. It was terrifying. The idea of, it was more so the idea of uh, it never ending, heaven oh, yeah. never ending. That was the thing that scared me. The end of the world, kind of scary because like pain, <laughs> but like the thing that freaked me out was that it was, that it's never going to end. Right. So the fear it's thing eternity. is one. The other one that was, uh, people often comment is, yeah, you can't understand it anyway. It's mm. so much symbolism and so many things going on there and. And like, how can you even make sense of it? You ever, you ever thought of that one? Sometimes. What were you saying earlier about the pregnant woman and the? <laughs> I thought like, even I think even in high school, I think it was before I went to IHOP. Even I think that was the moment where I was like, wait, what? But before I used to think of it more as like actually literally rather than mm. symbolic. So I was like, what the heck, a pregnant woman and like a, a dragon or what? <laughs> like what? <laughs> With like, multiple heads. Yeah. I was like, okay, she's messed up. Like, what the heck? But Yeah, yeah, yeah. So with that literal approach versus a, a metaphorical approach or, or something is symbolic, if it's all symbolic, then who knows what it means, right? It's too hard mm -hmm. to interpret. And then the other one you hear all the time is it doesn't matter anyway. When you read through it, even if you take it literally, it's like, well, what does it have to do with us? There's lots of things we need to get done here now things that are applicable to my life. And this is all just future. That's stupid. Cause like what, like you don't know the time, like mm -hmm. what if it's 20 years from now? Well, yeah. Like what are you going to get done before it happens? But then you're going to live through it. But so. you see now just to counter that, that argument, the book of revelation had to mean something to the early church, the folks that lived in 500 AD or a thousand AD or 1500 AD. And none of those guys were going to see the, the second coming of Jesus. It yeah. was going to be hundreds of hundreds of years later. So there has to be more to the book than just for those ones that are going to be there on the last day to prepare them, even though that's relevant too. Mm -hmm. So let me get into it and we'll talk a little bit about what's going on in this book because I'll just say this. I feel strongly, and this is why it's on this list, that there is great benefit to reading it. There really is. There's great benefit to reading and taking in the book. However, there's a there's a um, different kinds of ways of approaching it, and some of them will help you in some ways and some in other ways. The studying of the details related to the end times, of which a great portion of the book is about that, is one way that you'll benefit, but it's not the only way. There are other things that you can get from it. So uh, there was a season in my life, I think it was about 
seven or eight years ago, I think. I can't really remember. Uh, where the, We were having a prayer meeting every Monday morning for three hours. And it was like there were worship times where it was you could just be before the Lord. And I felt like the Lord invited me to read the book of Revelation every Monday. And so I set out to do it. I just opened up my Bible and I started in chapter one and I read straight through all 22 chapters every Monday morning. And I did that for about, for a year. I did it for a whole year. So I read it about 50 times. And at the beginning, it was just a hodgepodge of, you know, like crazy things like you're describing, pregnant women and dragons and multiple heads and what is going on, blood and death and gore. And, you know, and it's like, like I don't straight understand. Straight out of a movie. Yeah, it's like a movie. It just barely comes up with this stuff. And so after a while, though, I started reading it and different things began to strike me that didn't have so much to do with the details. I started to notice that the Lord was revealing himself in the book which is, of course, you know, the main theme of everything that we talk about in this podcast. But you were starting to see the character and nature of God coming through, and that was having an impact on me. I was, you know, it always hit the last few chapters of the book and go, he wins. At mm-hmm. the end, he wins. I mean, he gloriously wins, and he sets everything right, and he fixes everything. And it's like, wow, you're awesome. Yes, there was trouble, but you overcame all of it, all the darkness and all the evil and all the rebellion and all the resistance. And it always made my heart lift. And I always thought, yeah, you are awesome. And you can't get that same impact everywhere in the Bible. Yeah. And that reading through the book of Revelation does something to you that you can't find uh, the same way in every other location. So I'm a big fan of this. I just think people need to read it uh, and they need to um, to look at different ways to take it in. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you, but like get into it and, and don't be afraid of the details just read it and start to uh, let the Lord reveal himself. So what I want to do now is I want to go through it, Em, and uh, kind of break down the book a little bit because the other problem is, as I said, most people can't understand it. They don't know what's going on in what order, what is happening, what's the meaning of it. So I think we'll just give a little crash outline here just to explain it. If I said to you, uh, tell me what the book of Revelation is about, what would you say? Just in the short version, you would say... The end times. You say it's about the end times. The Lord coming back and about heaven at the same time. All right. So we got something about heaven and we got something about the end times and Jesus returning. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's probably pretty fair. Those are the two kind of big themes. And you wouldn't be wrong because uh, in chapter one, uh, the context is that John, uh, one of Jesus' 12 disciples, the beloved, John the beloved, you know, put his head on Jesus' chest, you know, at the Lord, at the Last Supper and close, intimate friends with him. Jesus had real friends, like real friends, you know, and this was one of his friends. Um, He's now an old man. They say he might have been as old as 90, and he's arrested and he's placed on on an island, like a prison island where he can't get off. There might be other people there, we don't know, but he's on this island and, and he's stuck there. All his friends, all his disciples, they've all, they're all dead. They've all, most of them have been martyred. And so they're long gone, and he's an old guy. And he's there because of his faith. They put him there because he was a faithful believer, and now he's stuck there. And in chapter 1, it says, he's writing the letter, uh, the book of Revelation. He's writing it, and he's saying, this is what happened. I was there, was, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and all of a sudden I heard a voice like a trumpet, and I turned around to look, and then I saw him. He was hair white like wool, eyes of fire, uh, feet of burnished bronze, the gold sash around his around his chest, uh, the voice like like uh, rushing waters, and it's and he falls at his feet as though dead, and and it turns out it's it's Jesus, his friend, 
it just in glorified form. He's getting the heavenly version of what he looks like now. And Jesus says, get up, Whoa, get up. Oh, that's weird. Sorry. I just like put it together of like, I'll, I knew this, but like the reminder of like, he saw Jesus as a human that he like ate lunch with and stuff and did his daily things way more than they just write about in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And now like, it's the same man in front of him again. And he's been like wanting to see him his whole life again. Yeah. And boom. Yeah. And he gets to see him and what he sees is so overwhelming that he crashes to the ground like he's a dead man. Yeah. And Jesus has to pick him up. Get up, get up, get up. Mm -hmm. It's me, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's pretty overwhelming. The glory that is, that is fully resonant within God, within Jesus, God, surprising because he got so used to him as in his human form, right? And so uh, he gets up, and then Jesus actually says to him, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna dictate some letters to you to seven churches, and I want you to write this down." And so for the next two chapters, chapter two and chapter three, if we take it literally, he sits down at his little desk in his first century hut with a pen and a scroll, and Jesus says, "Write this down to the church in Ephesus," and he writes it down, and he writes down the letters because they're going to be delivered to these seven churches, and they of course make it into the Bible. And so when that's done. In chapter four, so the big transitions are chapter one is the is the encounter with Jesus glorified, chapter two and three are the letters, and then chapter four, something changes. And it says, after this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven, and the voice that I heard before that sounded like a trumpet says to me, come up here and I'll show you what must take place after this. And he says, and then at once I was in the spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven. There was someone sitting on it. And so we, we understand that he's in his room. He sees a door appear before him supernaturally. There's no door there. And all of a sudden there's a door. The voice of Jesus says to him, go through the door in essence, come up here. And when he crosses through the door, he steps right out of his hut in first century Asia Minor. And he goes right into the throne room of heaven. And he sees a throne and he sees the one sitting on it, and he sees all the stuff that you read in Revelation 4. Again, if you're listening and you haven't read Revelation in a while, go read, even if you just read chapter 4 to start. It's powerful. It'll, it will cause you to, to, to think differently about God when you see that scene that's in front of you. And so chapter 4 is entirely about what's going on inside the throne room and the activity, the four living creatures. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. I mean, that's the that's the activity of the temple. That's what goes on in the presence of God and in this perfect and glorified form. And he's got these strange looking beasts, these living creature guys that are in front of him that just do this around the clock as they gaze upon the glory of who he is. And then chapter five kind of continues with that. We're still in the throne room and we still see what's around us. Um, but then something shifts, and we we there is they they say who is worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. Now, pop quiz here. Do you know what the scroll is in this situation? Do you know what that scroll is? Um, Do you remember? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Take a, take a shot at it. No, I okay. don't. I kind. I feel like when you say it, I'll be like, yeah. Yes, of course. You'll remember it, but you just can't put it together. So the scroll at this point is ultimately going to have the judgments. I was going to (laughs) say. That are coming on the earth. And so so the question is, who can take the scroll that unleashes the judgments that are about to come on the earth? Mm. Who's worthy to take this scroll? Who has the right anywhere 
to be the one to say, I will unleash the judgments because I am righteous and perfect and I have, and I have the right to do it over the nations. Well, there's only one. It's Jesus. He's the one that came, lived the sinless life, died on the cross, gave his life, shed his blood, rose and victoriously over death. He's the one that's worthy. And so the scene in chapter five is so dramatic because then he appears. He's the lion and yet he's the slain lamb, it says. He comes up, he takes the scroll out of the father's hand. The whole place drops to their, on the ground. They all start uh, uh, declaring his greatness, you know, the, the holy, holy, worthy are you, you know, that kind of new songs they're singing. It says, then every angel and then every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and everyone's pro- proclaiming his greatness. Something dramatic has happened, but it's also the beginning of something because he just took the scroll and on the scroll are the judgments, the end time judgments that are going to be released on the earth. Yeah, and now it's scary. Now we turn the corner. <laughs> Starting in chapter six, we get the first seal is open. The seals are it's like a scroll is wrapped up and then they've got like a wax seal on it. And each page would have a separate seal that you break the seal and then you can open up the page. And so he's unrolling them, right? And so he breaks the first seal and opens it up and out goes the first, uh, the seal is broken and out goes a horse riding out in a bent on conquest. And then he breaks the second seal and then it's given to for people to take peace from the earth and to kill each other. And then the third one is broken and then we get famine that's released. And then by the time we get to the fourth seal, it says the uh, death and Hades ride forth and they are given the right to, t- to, to kill a quarter of the earth. Ooh, that's a lot of people. That is a lot of people. <laughs> Cause if you do the math on that, I mean, we're at 7 billion. So let's just give it a little time. Let's say we get to 10 billion people just mm-hmm. for the sake of math. Mm-hmm. A quarter of the earth is 2.5 billion people. Wow. Yeah, I mean, World War II killed 50 million. So Whoa. two and a half billion people is a lot of people. And so if you if you take these things seriously, it's trouble. It's real trouble. And the strange part is the Lord's the one that's at the ha- uh, doing it. He's unleashing judgments on the earth. And so, again, back just to the flow of it, you get six uh, seals open, and then the seventh seal transitions us into the next phase. And then ultimately you're going to have, uh, we're going to move to, trumpets and we're going to have seven trumpets and they are also judgments and you're going to have seven different kinds of trumpets that are released and then finally we're going to have seven bowls of wrath great that are poured on the earth (laughs) so there's actually 21 judgments that get released now there's a few interesting things you need to know about this (laughs) (laughs) i just keep thinking to myself geez i hope i'm dead by then (laughs) yes i understand completely but you don't you don't want to entirely think that way because built into the flow of the book in between these chapters that deal with the judgments, the church gets good. Right? Well, there are chapters that explain things. So, like between six, chapter six, when you get the the six the seven seals, then chapter seven actually addresses a question: basically, how who's who can be saved, who can be protected, who can survive such a thing. Mm-hmm. And chapter seven actually addresses it and gives answers to that and says, "Yeah, there really will be forms of protection and safety." And the Lord has ways to do it. And then we move back into the story and then we touch all the the next series of judgments. And by the time you get to the seventh trumpet, that's the trumpet that sounds where Jesus actually comes back. And so when you hit the seventh trumpet, then he's riding in to to take control of the earth and to rescue all of us that are believers. That will be glorious. (laughs) (laughs) See the power of this? It's crazy. (laughs) Why am I crying? <laughs> Why are you you're crying? Because it's beautiful. And it's right and it's true. You keep crying. I'm going to keep going. And so so then when uh, the seventh trumpet, he does that. And then, and then there are seven bulls of wrath that follow. 
And it's fairly, I mean, you know, people interpret these things different ways and you can interpret it metaphorically if you want. And there's lots of symbolism that needs to be interpreted symbolically. It's not as simple as a dragon coming out of the sea. <laughs> of course, all of that. So we're, we're leaving all of that for the, for the Lord to help us to, to, to figure it out. And I'm, I'm also pretty convinced that no matter how hard we try to understand it, we're probably not going to get it quite right regardless. Uh, so we don't want to be too dogmatic about these things. Mm-hmm. We want to get the general flow of it, that there's trouble and these is difficult years. There's a lot that you can know about it. There's a lot more that I'm not saying that I would encourage people to study. Like you really can't know more than I'm saying, but, but you're never going to know it perfectly because you always get surprised by the dynamics of how it goes. And then the seven bowls of wrath come. Well, it's a final judgment. It purifies the earth. Really. It just, just ends the, the, the whole the rebellion in the hearts of people at this point is so turned against God. Mm-hmm. What's really in people's hearts that is it's currently there. It's in it's in the hearts of all of us, actually. We don't we don't like to admit it, but we are kind of neutral when we're not under pressure. Yeah. But when we get under pressure, you'd be surprised. I was at, thinking that of like how I was like, I'm definitely not. I feel like before COVID, we would have thought, oh, yeah, no problem. Right, now right. I'm like, Lord, help me because I already am sucking. Like, this this is hard. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> so how would you feel if a if a, uh, a famine came on the earth that was, you know, that's the third seal. And like a famine and there was no food. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing to be stuck in your house and you got to watch Netflix <laughs> all day. Toilet paper. <laughs> yeah. What do you do when you can't eat? And so we have this situation where t- there's going to be some real difficulties in the years ahead. The Lord will protect, but uh, it's real. And, and what he's doing is he's, I'm going to use a term that Mike Bickley uses. He is using, believe it or not, the least severe means to reach the greatest number of people at the, the deepest, deepest level of love. love. And he's drawing them to himself. Believe it or not, it's the least, least severe, severe means. Right. <laughs> and we're yeah. like, oh my goodness. <laughs> it's hard to believe, isn't it? Because you just think, oh, if this like, is what it takes. That's but the least, what's the worst? Oh what you're goodness. finding out is there's a lot of wickedness in the hearts of people and they really turn against him and they really rebel and they really say, we don't care. It says a number of times that despite all that's going on, they would not repent. They would not. And in the end, the judgments come. Yeah. Then in chapter 19, it turns. Finally, we hit the end. All the judgment, the Babylon is dealt with. All of these things are taken care of. And in 19, suddenly he rides in. He's on his horse. And he is, he is here and he is taking over. The king is here. He's a warrior, but he's the king. The first thing they do, grab the Antichrist, the beast, the false prophet, deal with them, grab the devil, tie him up, deal with him. And like the place of evil in the earth is being eradicated. The judgments are being uh, are done. Now we're... Now we're gathering up the, the, the believers. The purification of the earth is taking place in chapter 20 and chapter 21. And then into chapter 22, you start to see it. The, the heaven has come down and is joining with the earth. You know, Ephesians talks about heaven and earth being together. And, and Jesus is making it all right and all pure. And it's, you know, I love that passage. It's in uh, Revelation 21. It says, now the dwelling of God is with men. There will be no more pain or crying or sorrow or you could add to it a addiction or suffering or sickness or, you know, all of the things that we have to live through all the time, that'll all be gone. And he's going to make everything new. And then it wraps up with chapter 22 with John back to John again, going, I saw this. This is all real. It's really coming, you know, serve him, set yourself before him. You know, the spirit and the bride say, come him who hears say, come Jesus, come, come back to the earth, make it right. You know, get us through this because the world has become so difficult 
and so evil and so sinful. And Lord, you've got a better plan. And so you, you can feel a little bit of the power of that, right? The story is dramatic, but he's in the middle of it. And this is what you want. If you're, if you're at home and you're going, I don't know what to do. And this isolation sucks. And all I can think about is how my own life is miserable. And I can't believe that you did this to me, God. I pray every day that it would land and it never ends. Pull out the book of Revelation, start reading it and realize that the Lord uses the least severe means to reach the greatest number at the deepest level of love possible because he wants you near trouble is, is part of the equation. It's just the way it works on, on the earth. But on the other side, he wins. He wants us near him. We will be near him. The earth gets purified and we go on past that. It's going to be glorious. If you like living on the earth right now, I'm going to be here for a while. Because past his, him returning, he makes this place beautiful again. I mean, I'm, I'm going to go see some places. <laughs> I'm going to Ireland. I want to see it. And I'm going to Japan. Our homeland. No, I mean, seriously, we're, we're going to be here. Mm. And it's not just like, well, you know, off you go to live on a cloud somewhere and live in <laughs> heaven and that's it. Like, no, he loves the earth and he loves us and he's going to be with us and we're going to be with him. It's just getting between now and then that's going to be a little bit difficult, but it's okay. Yeah. So this is why we read the book of Revelation. I always say whenever I like thought of it uh, throughout like high school or whatever, I was always saying, well, I'm going to live furthest away from Israel as possible. <laughs> I'm like I'm never moving out of Winnipeg. <laughs> it's a whole other discussion, right? Why does Israel yeah. matter? Yeah. And it does. And I'm like, and, it, and it's worse and worse as it gets closer. So yeah. I was like, well, I'm staying in Canada. Then. <laughs> yes. Just read your Bible. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Well, that's all we have for today. If you want more information on this topic and others, you can check us out at our website at sanctuaryhop.com. And on behalf of myself and my dad, thanks for listening to Shopcast. Shopcast.